You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Welcome, everybody. It's the Colts Blue Zone Podcast you're listening to here. Uh, here I got Mike Chappell and I am Joe Hopkins. Uh, Dave is out today, uh, very busy covering March Madness, but we got you covered with everything going on Colts, and we have breaking news off the top. Uh, just happened about an hour or so ago. Clayton Gathers has resigned. Well, he's agreed to terms. We'll resign. It's it's one that we've talked about, and most of us thought this was going to happen. He he. The, the, the team's approach is we really want this guy back, but with most of their players and free agents, we want you back at our price. Gathers had the chance to go out and and see what the market offered. Visited Dallas. Visited Tampa Bay. And then came back here, and it's probably going to be the best for both. When I was talking with someone with the Colts earlier in the week, they said this: they hope to get this done, but it was complicated, and it was complicated because of Gathers' history. Solid player, big hitter, great locker room guy, but he's had injuries. He's had concussions. He's had various body parts dinged up, and he had a a, a disc, disc injury that required surgery after – in the 2016 season. So missing 22 games the last three years makes it really tough to structure a contract to reward the player you think he is. But keep in mind the injuries that are, are part of his, his contract or part of his history. So I think this will be a two or three year deal with most, if not all the guaranteed money up front. This is one where you're rewarding initially. And then if it doesn't work, you move on. But, Good for Clayton Gathers, and this is good for the defense. Yeah, contract details haven't come out yet, but I would assume it'd be a very incentive-heavy contract because, like you said, he's a very good player, went on the field. He was a team captain in 2018. Um, Over his career, he's averaged a little over 10 games played per season. Um, You talked about how injuries limit him quite a bit. We have um, the Colts, it's hard not to say we, but the Colts have Matthias Farley. They gave him a second-round tender. And when on the field, he's been a pretty darn good third safety. Um, he's coming back after IR last year, but didn't really have a problems with injuries previous to that. Do you think the Colts are set with um, Matthias? Malik Cooker, too. you got Malik, Malik Cooker coming back, and you got George Odom. I still think this is an area that needs to be addressed, whether it's a, a mid-round uh, – Draft pick, I don't know that they would go out on their free agent market now. They sort of have their spots uh, to where they look for players. Maybe you can still get that that, that second-tier guy for, for really – this is low money now when you're outside bringing in other players. So I still think there's a safety out there, whether it's a veteran or, or a draft pick. Because, again, you like you like the three guys you got, Hooker, Gathers, and Odom, or um, Farley. And then Odom played – some last year as well, but all these guys, except for Odom, have injury issues. Your top three guys have injury issues, so I, I don't, I don't think they're done yet at safety. But again, bringing you know tendering Farley and bring, and getting Gathers back, it ju- it just kind of alleviates one major need moving into the draft. Yeah, and I think um, that's kind of what you see teams and the Colts trying to do: re-signing to Sear bringing back gathers is they want to make sure they don't have any glaring holes into the draft so that way they can take the best player available approach. Um, looking at a few of the safeties available, Jaleel Adai, 29, Trey Boston, we kind of talked about him last week, Barry, 
um, Sendejo from the Vikings. All of those guys don't really seem like long-term answers to me. So I kind of agree with you. I see the Colts attacking safety again more so through the draft than adding another free agent. I think when when you look at long-term, when Chris Ballard thinks long-term, he's thinking draft. He, he just is. You know, again, it's the old draft your own, develop your own, resign your own. In, unless you can strike that guy in free agency that's a 20, at, at the end of his, his, his rookie contract, you looked at a few of those guys who got the big deals, the Trey Flowers, people like that. Th- those are the only ones, maybe D Ford, that you might consider the free agent market being long-term. Generally, long-term in free agent market is that three-year deal. Jabal shared Eric Walden back in the Grigson era was a great, uh, I think he was a three, I don't think it was a four-year deal, three-year deal for him, four-year deal perhaps. Uh, if you can get those guys and build around those, but generally, free agency is that short-term fix. Uh, Devin Funches, is he a long-term guy? We'll, we'll see. that This is his chance to prove it. But you give the guy a one-year deal. I know people thought he was he's overpaid. But if, you, if you're going in free agency, you're going to overpay for your talent. You just are. It, it, it's, it's what the market says you do. But generally, if anybody they sign now, in my mind, is going to be that short-term bridge to get to what you want to get through in the draft, whether we can talk about their, their they've got visits with Jay Ajay and, and uh, Aaron Lynch, a defensive end from the Bears. If they would sign him, he's probably a short-term fix. He's sort of like uh, Danico Autry last year, about the same size, 6'5", 270. Hasn't really had the great year. He's been a, an okay player, and they struck gold with Autry. Can they do that again with someone like Lynch? Or another player, but that's that's what free agency is at this point. It's short-term deals, good for the player and good for the team. Yeah, to your point, I don't think I've seen Ballard hand out a contract to an outside player for more than three years, and oftentimes it's more realistically a one-year deal. Even when they're even when they're multi-years, they're one-year deals. Yeah, that you walk away after one year and there's no residual. Yeah, no dead cap. Right. Exactly. Going back and looking again, I just. he gave Sherrod a three-year deal. He gave Autry three years. Eric Ebron two years. You Hankins know, got the three, and then we cut him after one. It, but did, right, yeah. but but the guaranteed money was up front, so there was there was no uh, money to hang on to. John Simon, like I said, shared. Everybody else has been two-year deals or one-year deals. So that's the way. Now, the one thing about doing it that way is you're not going to get you're not going to get C.J. Mosley or. Or, or people like that, Le'Veon Bell, you're not going to get the, the high-end, high-priced guys because for the most part, they're not going to sign that short-term deal. They want the big money. They want the $30, $40 million, Landon Collins. Yeah. You know, 40-some, almost $50 million guaranteed. The, the, the approach that Chris Bowden is taking, it's, it's strengthening the roster top to bottom. Maybe not top to bottom. Let's say from the, uh, the, the second 10, from, from the top 10 down, but what you're not getting are those difference makers that he needs to get through the draft then. Yeah, to that point, I think it's kind of funny. You know, all, there's a large percentage of Colts fans who are a little frustrated with the lack of spending given how much money the Colts have. And it's a little funny because it almost seems like those same fans are the ones that say Chris Ballard overpaid Devin Funches. Um, what, would, just, what, what would they have said if you had given Landon Collins? 
84 million dollars i think fans would have jumped with joy because man the colts fans want landon collins i would like to have seen landon collins in this defense as well but six years and again if you look at the numbers six years 84 million it looks like a you know grand slam contract for the player but in, in essence i believe it's a two or three year deal you know agents you get and that's what, what we might see with clayton gathers maybe clayton gets a a three-year deal and it looks like there's a lot of money, but you know, always look and see what's guaranteed. Obviously, you know, Mike Trout gets a four hundred and thirty million dollars. He gets four hundred and thirty million dollars. Landon Collins gets an eighty-four million dollar contract that might be only, you know, in quotes, fifty million dollars. So, the NFL. The one thing that people need to keep in mind about the NFL is the only money that matters is guaranteed money. The rest of it is just window dressing and puff, and it makes the player feel better. Uh, you know, from a perceptive standpoint, and the agent feels better, but teams teams can cut you at, at a drop of a hat, and that money goes away. Moral of the story: Go play baseball, kids. Teach, teach your kids and grandkids to tee it up or, or throw 100 miles an hour. That's right. It'll probably be a lot better for their health as well. Um, talking about a couple Colts that are visiting today. It is Wednesday. Um, Jay Ajayi, Aaron Lynch. Do any of these guys come off as difference makers to you? No. No, and that's that's why I say he right now Chris Ballard's in the making the team stronger via depth is what he's doing. Jay Ajayi would be the number three guy, I assume, behind uh, Marlon Mack and, and Naheem Hines. And what this would do with a Jordan Wilkins, I don't know. But he, he gives you that proven guy. If the You know, he's coming off knee surgery in ACL. Yeah, and he uh, fell in the draft um, to the fifth round because of – Knee problems. He's, the- he's, I think I saw he's had two ACLs. Yeah. So, you know, th- and this is a running back. So, again, this this would be a short-term thing. I saw somebody, you know, I was looking at mock drafts the other day. Somebody had, had the Colts taking a running back in the first round. Oh, oh Lord, no. Yes, I, and I'm thinking, really? Do, do, have you not paid attention to what they've done already? And, and, and but, but, again, adding an, an Ajayi with what he's done, if he's healthy, to be a compliment to Marlon Mack. And Hines would be a pretty good move. Aaron Lynch, and again, we always, you know, is, is this due diligence? Is this serious interest? I think he's already visited two or three teams, Oakland and I think Seattle. Mm-hmm. Again, he would be what, what they love to have. Chris Ballard has harped and harped and harped. Be strong up front. Offensive line, defensive line. Offensive line, you want your five starters and hope they play 90% of the time together. But then you need, he says he wants to go into camp with 10 guys who could possibly start? Well, that that's ideal. Defensively, they like rotation. They like to have six or seven guys that they can move in and out. And Aaron Lynch would probably be that rotational type player. Again, like a Denico Autry being an end, but he's got what eighteen? Is it eighteen sacks in his career? Eighteen sacks in five years. Again, he's very similar to what Denico Autry had started. 22 of 57 games uh, in San Francisco and Chicago. So, you know, would a change of scenery and, and maybe more more chance to play due to his career, what it did with Autry, we'll see. But this is the kind of guy that makes sense. You're not getting, you don't think, a difference maker, but you're getting, getting a guy that will be a strong rotational player for that defensive line. Yeah, I really like the idea of adding Aaron Lynch. I mean, he has been a rotational player, but Ballard has talked about wanting to come at you in waves. 
Um, he had 12 and a half sacks within his first two seasons, so Lynch coming in and giving you around six sacks on limited playing time isn't out of the realm of possibility, and it'd be something that would really value the Colts. And I agree with everything you said about Ajayi. I mean, I like the fact that he gives the Colts running back group, or he would give them something different than what they have. They don't have that pounder right now. It was kind of Robert Turbin, but he's um, an afterthought at this point. I think Ajayi could be the thunder to Max Lightning in a way. Well, again, he's, what is he? He's, uh, what's his size here? Six foot, 220. Uh, he, he averages 4.5 for his career. And back in 2016, Pro Bowl season, 1,270 yards yeah. with Miami. And, and again, he, he came in with a pretty good spark during the Eagles' Super Bowl run. And again, we've talked, you, you always try to connect dots. Uh, Frank Reich knows him from Philly. And offensive line coach uh, Chris Strausser knows him from Boise State. So you're always running a risk in free agency because you just don't know what you're getting when, when another team's letting a player go. In this case, uh, the head coach and the line coach know what this guy can be. I'm sure most of this has to do is, is he healthy? If, if he's not healthy now, when's, when will he be healthy? And again, if, if things work out, these are two guys that make sense. Neither one should break the bank. Uh, a guy certainly won't coming off an ACL, and Aaron Lynch might be one of those guys again that wants to sort of get get to another place, resurrect his career. And, you know, he's, again, he's only was he twenty twenty six. Again, these these guys fit the mold of what Ballard wants. Lynch is twenty six, Ajay's twenty five. You want the younger players on the uptick, and maybe you strike gold with them. Exactly. Kind of like Pierre Desir, you know, you bring him in on a short contract, he pleasantly surprises you, and then you reward him, you know, with a longer contract. Um, I, I think that's a great way to look at it. Kind of looking at what the Colts have done so far, the only outside player they've signed is Devin Funches on the one year, but they have brought back Gethers, Vinatieri, Glowinski, Desir, Hunt, uh, Chester Rogers on a second round tender. Fairly on a second-round tender. So, really, much of the team should be back in 2019. Um, The one guy who's still kind of a question mark, Dontrell Inman. His last four games, he put up 231 yards, three touchdowns, and 17 receptions. He was kind of a key part of that passing offense down the stretch. But with the signing of Funches, do you see them bringing back a 30-year-old wide receiver? Probably not. Now, I was in favor all along of bringing Dontrell Inman back because he was the second-best receiver once he signed here in October. He just was. He, he was he was the guy that just was where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there. Luck had total confidence in him. But I do, and again, I, I've got to admit, Dave Griffiths kind of talked me off the ledge uh, last week where I thought you still bring Inman back. But to, to do that, you're robbing the young players of reps. And, and how will, whether it's a Chester Rogers and Pascal, not so much those two, but a Marcus Johnson, a Deion King, a Reese Fountain, if you bring in a guy who who was really a good short-term fix but not a long-term answer, then he's retarding the the growth of the young guys. And, and barring injury, as much as I think Inman would be your third-best receiver here, I just don't know if it makes sense from a developmental standpoint from the younger players. I agree with that. I mean, I was so heartbroken when Kane tore his ACL in the preseason because everything around camp was he just looked fantastic. He did. 
Um, so hopefully he can get back and having an injury so early, hopefully he can get back to full health by, you know, training camp. But, and that, but that's part of the problem too. When we're talking about development is how soon will he be back? I mean, it's, you're talking an ACL and I guess on the, if, if there's a silver lining, it happened early. Mm-hmm. So he had an extra month or two as opposed to if this happens, uh, like with Reggie Wayne, the one year it happened in late October or November. And, and then it just kind of slows your, it pushes the timetable back, but can you really go into training camp in the season saying, okay, we think it's T.Y. Hilton, it's Funches, and Deion Kane's our third guy. Can you really do that with a guy coming off an ACL? We have to wait and see in OTAs how this guy's progress is. Yeah, I mean, I think Fun- uh, Kane is a giant question mark, but I think with Funches, at least the Colts wide receiver group is better than it was right now going into last season. Well, going into the season, no question. Yeah. I, I guess my argument would be is, is it better now than it was in December? Is Funches, uh, is Funches you hope Funches is an, is an upgrade over Edmund or you wouldn't have paid him $13 million. But then the rest of it, it's, 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 then it's the same people back with Deion Kane being the wild card. So as we see here today, is this a better team than it was, let's say, before the Kansas City game? Because the Kansas City game tends to sour your, your – uh, opinion of this team but is this team better now than it was in in late December and I, I guess I'd say no because it's the same people it's the same people and you're trading Funches for uh or you're trading Inman for Funches but that's that's the the the, the bad and the good of the offseason is we're only like 10 days into the offseason so let's see how the rest of this goes and let's see how the draft goes but right now the Colts are sort of treading water which, again, this is a playoff team that's treading water, but they, they simply need to add three or four players, either through free agency or the draft, that can step up and play in 19. And to that point, something I've really been wanting to ask you is, the Colts had so many players have career years last year, whether that be you know two rookies making All-Pro is unheard of. Um, and then you have, you know, Glowinski had a career year at guard. You had... Um, even the rookie Smith at right tackle, Kenny Moore, Pierre Desir, both career seasons at cornerback. So many guys stepped up. Autry, so many guys produced higher than their perceived skill level. Does it concern you at all that maybe they come back to earth a little bit or teams, you know, the Colts aren't sneaking up on anybody in 2019. Do you think that just assuming the Colts players are going to perform as well as they did last year is kind of a trap almost in that? You know they could come slide back down a little bit. When you, you didn't mention Marlon Mack either, and he, he had I didn't even mention that, and he yeah. went off the charts as well. I don't think so because I don't know that anyone did anything that maybe you didn't expect. I mean, everyone expected. I'll, I'll change it. Darius Leonard. No one expected defensive rookie of the year. They just didn't. And I think as much as high as Chris Ballard was on him, he even told us that, that he he sort of exceeded initial expectations. But everyone else, I, I just I don't see why that arrow still shouldn't be moving up. T.Y. Hilton had his thousand yard season, and he was he was walking around on on a bad le- or bad ankle for the last month of the season. So so he should be better next year because he's going to be healthy. Andrew Luck, that might have been his best season since he got here as far as just playing the position. He should be better in in year two back from missing 2017. So. 
I know what you're saying on did they got careers, can these guys do it again? But, but by and large, they really should be able to. Danico Autry, we're not expecting 15 sacks, but if he can give you 9, 10 sacks, he missed a few games as well with injuries. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that the people you mentioned – were just so off the charts that they shouldn't be able to do it again. Now, we'll see if Darius Leonard can be a tackle machine again, but why shouldn't Quentin Nelson still remain an upper-tier, upper upper echelon guard? Uh, Costanzo played at a Pro Bowl level. Uh, Braden Smith, I I think he might be the one that's most interesting to watch for because despite how much the team talks about it, we we talked to Chris Ballard. I asked him if, did you really expect him to be a tackle? And he said, "Not no, you know he, he he they drafted this guy to be a guard, and uh, Goose sort of moved him to guard or to tackle. First, they moved him to tackle because they were running out of tackles. Yeah, but then that you know Goose all along said, "Hey, we think this guy can be a tackle," and he sort of warmed to it. Let's see how he plays tackle now that he's going to have an entire off season to concentrate. So, with that argument, he should be better this coming year because now he's going to be prepared to play tackle." So by and large, the people that you talked about, all these guys, Desir, uh and Kenny Moore and Autry and, and Shared, they should they didn't to me they didn't do anything extraordinary. So there's no reason not expecting to at least do what they did last year. Well, you just got me excited because the pessimist in me was kind of concerned. Um I guess the one thing that will still concern me is Desir's health. because um, he's only been healthy one year, but um We'll talk about that a little later when we start talking about what the Colts need to prioritize in the draft. Um, looking around at the rest of the AFC South now, I guess the biggest move that's been made since we last got a chance to talk, um, the Tennessee Titans trade a 2020 fourth-round pick and a 2019 seventh-round pick for Miami's Ryan Tannehill. I thought this was very interesting. Um is this an open quarterback battle in your eyes, or is this just insurance in case the often injured Mariota gets hurt again? Boy, I can't imagine that Tennessee thinks this is an open quarterback competition. If it, if it is, then then they really have bad feelings about Marcus Mariota. I think this is a case of a, this is a chance to upgrade the backup position. I, I went back and looked, and I unfortunately didn't bring that sheet with me today about all the backup backups they've had in Tennessee. You know, last year was Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, they cut him. And they cut him. So it's it, they've, they've really had issues with the backup quarterback, and that's, that is an issue because Mariota has missed time. Yeah. It doesn't look like, if you look at his career, he's missed that much time. But how many times has he missed parts of games into the next game? So what they've done is they've really tried to add insurance, which the Colts may be doing next year at backup quarterback, but if, if nothing else, with, with a quarterback who's had trouble staying on the field, they've got Tannehill, who who was you know hot and cold in, in Miami. He, he'd play well. He, he was the tease. He would show you what he could do, then he would come back to earth. But they've, there's no question Tennessee has upgraded backup quarterback. They've been pretty active in the offseason, and they're a better team now. Again, this is what we're talking. Are the Colts better now than they were in December? I would say no because it's the same team for the most part. That's not the case with rest, around the rest of the AFC South. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Tennessee got better. Um, Jacksonville got better, finally got a quarterback. They signed Chris Conley, receiver from the Chiefs. So uh, he kind of replaces what Moncrief gave them, a fast guy with some size. 
Um, they also signed linebacker Jake Ryan, kind of an underrated guy with the Packers, but they let him go because his pass defense isn't what you'd want in today's NFL. Linebackers. And, and, and then, like you mentioned, Jacksonville gets rid of Bortles, which was going to happen. And they, and they, they get rid of Malik Jackson, yeah. one, of their, one of their big pickups several years ago. So the other teams, in this, and that's one thing that always irritates and stokes the, the angst of Colts fans is they, they look around at other teams in the division are doing this, that, and the other, and the Colts aren't. You know, Houston was busy, you know, getting rid of players, adding players in the secondary, but maintaining Jadavian Clowney, which was huge, uh, getting Tajon Gibson. So the people locally, they see the Colts doing not much other than resigning their own, which is important, but to see these other teams spending money, can you imagine if, if the Colts fans were trying to compare the Colts with the, with the Jets or the Packers and what they're doing or Oakland? But, again, this comes back to the old thing that people hate to hear is let's see how this works out because these, the Colts are not as active as everybody else. We'll see if kind of status quo with a few additions makes a difference. And that's a really good point. Ballard and Frank Wright both talk about how much locker room culture means to them and getting the right guys and the right fit retaining a lot of your own people and not having that turnover. You know, these guys leave, these guys come in every year really helps to that. Um, you just establish that brotherhood that's going on within the Colts locker room. Um, speak, you know, but, but, but the problem, but the problem by doing that is again, that's, that's a great way of doing it. But, but how are you adding the difference makers that I always keep coming back to that. The only way you get those guys is be drafting the top five or the top 10 of the draft and land the left tackle, the pass rusher, or whatever, or maybe not a receiver that high, but are paying for it on the open market. And whenever you bring in someone from the outside, as much as you want those guys to fit with what you're doing, as long as he's not a knucklehead. You know, if there's red flags, you just stay away from him. But there are going to be times you're, you're, you're going to bring in talent that just doesn't quite fit. And that's okay as long as he's, again, he's not just a, a bad guy, but to, to go out and get the difference makers, which I harp on, that this team lacks. And I, I think it's great to have a great locker room. It's great to have guys get along. It's great not to have off-field issues all the time, which no one wants. But at some point to get the players that you need to take it to the next level, you need to, I guess, I hate to say take a risk, although that's what free agency is, but at some point, you simply need to go out and do something bold, more bold than they're doing. But again, as much as people want to criticize what they're doing, this has worked. Now, if if you go through another couple of ten and sixes and wild cards, and you don't go deep, will, will, will people still be as as critical or as patient? We'll see. But uh, again, I, I I keep coming back, and, and I'm not defending what they're doing; I'm just explaining it. This is the way they're going to do it. But doing it this way, where do you get the great pass rusher? Where do you get that second receiver who's just an elite player? Maybe you get that receiver in the draft. They got Reggie Wayne. What was he, number 30? I think he was 30th overall in 2001. So you can get those guys there. Pass rushers are tougher to get in the draft unless you're at the top of the draft. Yeah, you talk about getting those difference makers and elite receivers. We just watched a massive trade go down last week. Odell Beckham to the Cleveland Browns for a first, a third, um, and Jabril Peppers, a so-so safety in his third year. Seeing how little the Browns gave up for Odell, would you have liked to see the Colts kind of do something with that? You know, Odell... 
like you said, he's not necessarily a bad guy. You don't know how great of a fit he is. He has his antics, but I'm not sure, you know, he's never been arrested or anything. I'm not sure he's necessarily a bad person. And he definitely would be that dif- difference maker for Indy. When you have, again, the greater the talent, the higher your tolerance for a guy being a knucklehead. And again, with with an Antonio Brown, I, I would know. I would have kicked the tires and thought about it, but I, I just think there's more there that you want to get involved with. Odell Beckham, I don't get the impression there's anywhere near that level of distraction as, as, as Brown might have done. Le'Veon Brown, I wouldn't, or Le'Veon Bell, I wouldn't have paid that much for a running back. I don't think, but Odell Beckham would have been interesting. And he's the elite. He is that elite guy. He's when you're talking top five, certainly top ten receivers in the league, his name's high on the list. We could argue where T.Y. Hilton is on that list, but Odell Beckham is right there with Brown and and DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones and people like that. But uh, I just, at the same time, having said how, how you have to get those guys, keep that one quote from Chris Ballard in mind whenever you're talking trades. I like them draft picks. He He values draft picks. Uh, and I just think it's going to take something special for him ever to trade a, a first, second, or third-round draft pick to get a player. I just think he really has that much faith, confidence, and belief in what he and his staff do that they can find players that warrant those kind of picks. Yeah, and it it would have been against everything Ballard's done so far to make a deal like that, but it certainly would have been exciting. But that, that's, again, that's why it's fun to talk about, but... What, what, the, the one thing with social media is I keep telling people, and we come off as a, as a Colts apologist, is he's telling you what he's doing. He's telling you this is my blueprint, and until he does something that, that is so far off the charts, I just don't see him doing that, 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 that out-of-character, out-of-body move because this, this is who he is. This is how he does things. And unless it just makes great sense, I just don't see him giving up premium draft picks. Yeah. Uh, the only way I could ever see him doing something like that is if, say, the Colts get to the championship game this year. They're so close, and the Colts have the money. They think they need that one guy to push them over the top maybe in a year or two. So then you go back to be, being Ryan Grigson. Oh, no. <laughs> because that, that's, that's really what happened after the 14 season when they went crazy in free agency. And paid the big money to the, the Trent Coles and the Andre Johnsons and Frank Gore and and Frank Gore is really the only one that worked out. But but no, that that's that's and that's where GMs have to really be true to their convictions and not let well you have to let circumstances dictate what you're doing because again, two years ago when when Ballard comes in, they're not ready to, to do that much, so you're not gonna go and spend crazy money on free agency. But the closer you get that's where I, I agree with you. I think the closer you get to where you need that guy, maybe you do something out of character. But until then, you stay true to your true to your beliefs and, and what you want to get done. And you either listen to the critics or you ignore it. But you, the, the, the day a franchise and a GM listens to its fan base, it ceases to be effective at all. So, again, I, I think Ballard will, will, will take the criticism. But until this thing doesn't work, you have to trust what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, after last year's season, I feel like most people just kind of got to shut up and let him let the man do his thing. 
Um, looking at some of the guys still available, I think we both agree the Colts still have a few more moves they need to make before the draft comes around. Um, edge rushers, Justin Houston still sitting there. Nick Perry. Is that, is that strange? I've not seen anyone even post that Justin Houston is making a visit. It's a little weird. I mean, he's had the injuries. He's up there in age, but he still had like 18 and a half sacks the last two seasons. So he can still contribute. I think he'll probably end up somewhere with a team that's close. I could see him going to like a Seattle, New England. Um, but that's the guy you bring in, and there's no, there's no illusions of what you're getting. You're getting a guy that's going to probably play 12 games, is going to have time off for injuries, but used in situations, he's going to give you eight, nine, ten sacks, pressure the quarterback for a year or two. So that's one where, and again, Chris Ballard knows this guy from from Kansas City, so. If he has an interest, it's because he knows him. And if he doesn't have an interest, it's because he knows him and doesn't like the entire package. But at this point now, Justin Houston, if he's looking to get that four-year, $60 million contract, it's not going to happen. That money, it's amazing. Every year in free agency, the money comes in that first four or five days, and then it goes away. Yeah, You're going to see guys signing now for that one year. Now, maybe, again, a Justin Houston gets that one year where he's going to get Ten or twelve million dollars with incentives, you know how much guaranteed we don't know. But the guys now, that's why I say with you're going to be able to get whether it's a Nick Perry, a Zach Brown, whomever, you're going to get these guys short term contracts. It's going to be that one for the most part one year rental, and if if you believe they can fit in your locker room, and, and again the Colts have the money, if they can get that guy to be the stopgap, I, I think that's going to happen. Now with Houston, who knows? But it just slays me that. There's no hints that, well, he may go here. He may, unless I mean, everybody seems to end up going to Oakland. But it just it's it's crazy to me that this is an elite pass rusher. Again, he's he's on the wrong side of thirty, but he's still been effective. And there's not even been whispers about where he's going. Yeah, it's interesting to me. You bring up Zach Brown. Um, the Colts, you know, they're they struck gold with Darius Leonard. Um, I thought Walker. Played very well last year. He seems like a starter you can feel good about moving forward. In today's NFL, where so much of the defense is, you got five defensive backs on the field. Do you think the Colts add another linebacker, even though they'll be basically a part-time player? Or do you think it's more likely they let, you know, the couple of seventh-round picks, Matthew Adams and Zaire Franklin, who had, you know, a few good moments last year, let them develop a little bit? I think that's a good question because, again, they're in sub-packages. So when people say they're 3-4-4-3, three, four, four, three, how often are you in your base package? You know, 30% of the time. But you still they still need a veteran body at linebacker. Najee Good, I really – if if he would return, I wouldn't consider him one of my top three linebackers. He's a great locker room guy and a good special teams player. I won't be shocked if they go out and get another linebacker, veteran linebacker. Again, it'll be the short-term deal for not great money. Whether those guys fit, again, I don't know. Zach Brown being an outside guy, six foot, what is he, two, two fifty, but he's played. He he's just played a lot. Uh, I think a guy like that when he's twenty nine might be able to come in and help for for, for a year. Uh, again, I, I think we're looking at three or four guys yet that aren't here yet, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of them's a linebacker. One of the guys that I really, really want the Colts to sign, he's still out there, Timmy Jernigan um, from Philly. He's still only 26, second-round pick in 2014. 
Um, he's got 15 career sacks. He had a career-high five sacks in 2014. So he can, he's a guy who can give you four or five sacks, but he's really like that strong, nose-tackle, run-stuffing player. He wouldn't be an every-down guy. But like you said, at this point, we're not the Colts or whoever signs these guys aren't going to be paying that big money at this point in free agency. And Al Woods is still a free agent who was very effective stopping the run before he got hurt last year. That's <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead. And Frank Reich knows him. Yeah. From, from Philly. So, again, you know, they, you know, they've got some young guys with the Taekwon Lewis. Uh, Grover Stewart, Hassan Ridgeway are still there. But Jernigan would, would be a, a, a nice addition. Again, he would be a rotational player. And, again, when, when you get a guy like that, I still think the Colts are going to take a defensive lineman early in the draft, maybe at the bottom of the first round, if not that, early second round. But adding that stopgap there might not be a bad idea. But, uh, again, I always look for familiarity. He, he, he's still young. Uh, is his health okay? But he started, what, 30 games uh, since 16. So maybe that's the kind of guy they look at. Again, we're looking at stopgaps. And, and his, he's made it very clear, Chris Ballard has, you can never have too many defensive linemen. And maybe that's something they're kicking the tires on. Yeah, yeah, I mean – Jernigan only played three games last year because of a back injury, but it was at the front end of the season, and he returned in November, which is a lot better, you know, you feel about signing than someone the opposite, like a guy who's still rehabbing that injury. Um, we talked about corner, and we talked about how often there are five defensive backs on the field, and everyone knows it's a pass-heavy league at this point. The cornerback market in free agency has really dried up. I mean, top guys available – Darquiz Denard from Cincinnati, former first-round pick. Another former first-round pick, Maurice Claiborne from Dallas, New York. I could kind of see them bringing in a depth guy just because, like we said, Pierre Desir is injury-prone in his past. If he goes down, what do they really have at the position? Do you see the Colts adding someone in free agency or really just relying on the draft? Maybe both. That's a position you can, you've got to have – at least four, maybe five corners that you really, really trust, and they've probably got three with Kenny Moore, Harrison, and, and Pierre Desir. Nate Harrison is, we've talked about, sort of an enigma on what you've got. I won't be the least bit surprised. I, you know, when I look at the draft, they've got three of the first 59 picks, I think it is. Yeah. I think defensive lineman, wide receiver, and corner. I think those are the three positions in whatever order you want, probably defensive lineman first. But I just think you need to look at that cornerback position and try to get some youth in there that you can develop in this system. Whether that's the first-round pick, I don't know. You look at mock drafts, and these guys are all over the map on who the Colts are going to take. But uh, I just think they need another corner that they can say, if he's got to play for an extended stretch, we're okay. And right now, I don't know if they got any more than their top three. Yeah, yeah, and you didn't even mention Quincy Wilson. Kind of shows how big of a question. Well, mark. He, he he was he was my third. Let's let's talk Quincy Wilson, Kenny Moore. That's four. I guess that's four. Kenny Moore, Quincy Wilson, Desir, and who Harrison. I, and and Nate Harrison. So I I do think they've got I think they've got three solids, three and a half, and that's not enough. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, kind of speaking of the draft, let's play a little game here. We'll go position by position. Um, in your opinion. Whether let's kind of split the defensive lineup between those interior guys and those edge rushers, um, but in your opinion, who or what position would be the top priority for the Colts? 
um, going into the draft with that first round pick. Well, it'd be an edge pass rusher, but it, at at twenty six, what are you going to get for an edge pass rusher? You're going to get that's Bjorn Werner territory, and I hate to keep beating on him, but that's you need so much better. And I just think the quality top end pass rushers will be gone. Yeah, you know, it's... you know, of course, Bose is top ten, top, maybe top five. Josh Allen, people like that. Oh, he's Cle- going to be gone. Yeah. Cleveland Farrell, somebody like that with Clemson. Uh, Montez Sweet, who's had or Sweat's had the, was the medical issues. Yeah, he had the enlarged heart, right. but they knew about it in school and cleared him, and they knew about it at the combine and cleared him to work out. So it doesn't appear like it's as significant as a guy like Maurice Hurst last year from Michigan, who fell all the way to the fifth round and then had a great rookie season with the Raiders. But, yeah, whether that's you can get the edge right, I don't think you take a guy at twenty six and said and saying this solves our pass rush issue. So maybe they're looking more to a versatile guy, a, a tackle who can play in. One guy I talked to, a lot of us talked to at the Combine, was Jerry Tillery, the kid from Notre Dame, who's just a a, a fantastic athlete, versatility, kind of like the guy that these guys like. They like the guy that can, can do different things, has a high motor. Uh, Ed Oliver, you know, people like this. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, I've seen the kid from Clemson. Clemson must have four or five first-round picks. It's amazing how quality program that is. So I just think with the way they value the offensive line, which they addressed last year with a first- and second-round pick, and we get uh, the Colts get Tyquan Lewis in the second round last year, I just, I'll be shocked if there's not a defensive lineman in those first two rounds. Yeah, it kind of seems like Ballard's almost attacking this roster in waves. His first draft, he gets Malik Hooker in the first. He gets Quincy Wilson in the second, addressing the secondary. Second draft, uh, Nelson in the first, Braden Smith in the second. He fixes the O-line. And then this year, it kind of seems like it's the defensive line's turn. If we're looking just at edge rushers, a couple guys, you're right. The elite guys are going to be taken early based on the priority every team places on that position Cleveland Farrell could be there he's a high character guy um, do you want to reach for Chase Winovich out of Michigan who people thought was a second round pick but then he blew up the combine so he, his name's on the rise I love Jerry Tillery you mentioned out of Notre Dame he's so long like six six long arms he, could, he had like a 42 inch vertical 43 inch vertical jump yeah, he's an amazing athlete, um, and he he's one of those players who really broke through last year and started to put it together. So as Ballard kind of talked about Kamoko Torre when he drafted him last year, um, Tillery's a guy whose best football seems or you hope is in front of him. Um, another defensive tackle from Clemson, Christian Wilkins, kind of fits that mold. He's an uphill, gap-penetrating defensive tackle. I don't think... Um, the Houston defensive tackle, oh, you just mentioned him. His name's escaped. Oliver, Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver. I don't think he'll be there at that point, but if he does fall, I think the Colts would be all over I him. I saw some reports where like 16 defensive linemen, or de- defensive, the defensive linemen, just gonna, there's going to be a run on tackles and, and, and uh, edge rushers in this draft, and which is not really, doesn't bode well for you finding something at 26, but it's so deep, I think they can get, a quality defensive lineman, whether it's a rusher or a tackle, a receiver or a corner, I think they'll get a quality player at 26. I think so as well. So if 
So if you're putting defensive end first, then defensive tackle, what comes after that on your priority list? I'm hung up on receiver. I think it's time to not replace T.Y. Hilton. Certainly not. They'll give him a second contract after next year probably. But this is about the time you need to find the guy who will eventually replace T.Y. Hilton in four or five years. We talked in the past about this is about the time in their careers where the Colts looked to Reggie Wayne to be the guy to succeed Marvin Harrison. So, I and again, I, regardless of Devin Funches, they, they need a top-end receiver. And whether it's the first round or one of those two second-round picks, I, I just, I'll be surprised, I guess. Not shocked, surprised, if that's not for a receiver. Yeah, I think the Colts will go best player available. And in my head, I just keep hammering defensive line with that first round. I think that first, second-round pick, 34, is that prime spot to take a wide receiver. This class is a wide receiver class that you don't have those elite prospects at the top, but it's very deep. There's like 10 guys who could come in and be instant impact starters. A guy that keeps coming into my head for the Colts is Paris Campbell. He went absolutely nuts at the combine. Um, He's about six foot, 200. So he's not big, but he's bigger than a TY. Um, Ran a four, three, um, Vertical, I believe, was 40 inches. If not, it was darn close. And he's kind of one of those guys like a Percy Harvin and Tyree Kill. You can, Frank Wright could get creative with how they use him while he learns to play receiver because at Ohio State, they don't have you know that extensive of a route tree. You saw guys like Michael Thomas in New Orleans fall to the second round just because he didn't get to showcase what he could do in college. Um, and there's probably five or six guys Maybe three, four receivers go around one, and you, and again, if you look at various mock drafts, they're all over the board on who likes who better. The DK Metcalf had had the strong combine as well, and but he had a and his his workouts tend to overshadow a sort of lackluster career. He's an all projection player, and those you can't take an all projection player in, in the first round. You just you just can't do it. I agree. I don't like Metcalf, and his three-cone, which showcases agility, was awful. It was like, it would have been one of the worst defensive linemen three-cones. So he can run fast in the straight line, and he's big, but if you ask him to run a lot of routes, he's not going to be the guy you're looking for. So maybe you're looking at a Kelvin Harmon and A.J. Brown, people like that. I love Nikhil Harry, what he can do after the catch. Colts haven't had a guy like that super dangerous after the catch in a long time. So, But, again, they'll have some options. And, and again, it's it's funny. Whenever I hear those of us on the media talking about what they need, what they should do and all this, I just wonder how much Chris Bowder just kind of snickers and says, you guys are so far off on what we're going to do. Although most of us had him, had him pegged taking Quentin Nelson last year. But when you sit back and you watch how they played last year and you watch the roster and you evaluate the roster, certain things just jump out at you. And again, the lack of an elite pass rusher, the lack of a really legitimate number two receiver, Funches would have to just go off the charts to be that guy. And it's ridiculous to think that one of the guys on the roster, even a Deion Kane this year, can be that guy. So I just think certain things just kind of jump out at you. We could argue... They need another safety. They need another corner. But those two areas we've talked about, pass rush and receiver, to me are just glaring. Before we kind of wrap things up here, if the Colts do go secondary with one of their high draft picks, do you think 
cornerbacks more of a need, safety more of a need, or just kind of whoever you feel better about? I hate to go back on best player available because that's it's a cop out. I, I say corner because you just you just have to have that m- m- number of cover guys when you're playing so many sub packages and. You like maybe some of the young talent they have here, but there's just questions about do you really trust Quincy Wilson yet and what happened to Nate Harrison last year? So uh, give me one or the other, I'll take a corner. Yeah, and I mean, I think Colts fans couldn't be mad at all if they came around early in the draft with a guy like Byron Murphy from Washington, DeAndre Baker from Georgia. I really like Rocky Sin from Temple. He's a hard-nosed, tough player, kind of fits that Ballard mold, and I mean, his name is awesome. So, um, can't get mad about that. I think that about wraps things up for our third episode here. Thanks for coming in, Mike. Enjoy um, it. You can find you. Go ahead and let people know where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, mchapel51. We're always looking for more followers, so tag on. mchapel51. You can find the Twitter account for this podcast, just at Colts Blue Zone. Um, again, I am Joe Hopkins. You can find me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. Um, any articles that you have coming out? Did, did something yesterday's looking at the various mock drafts. I'm going to have something tomorrow, I believe, if I can get really enthused about where, where, how does the AFC South look now, you know, 10 days into free agency and how, how things have changed. So, and we'll get this Clayton Gather things wrapped up as well. Okay, great. Well, thanks for coming in. Um, We'll get this podcast out as soon as possible, and I can't wait to talk to you next week. Thank you.